harvest time, family, church. Uh, it's good to be with you again uh, today. We're going to continue our training and teaching on the believer's ministry. Uh, we established in lesson one that the believers are to do the work of the ministry, to reach out to people in your world, uh, get them saved, pray for the sick and disciple people. Then the second lesson, God's passion for people. And we found out that God has a passion. He doesn't want anyone to perish and go to a Christless eternity. And uh, then last week, uh, we looked at some keys on how to reach out to people in your world and uh, how to expect God to open a door for you to share the gospel. And uh, I pray that you've been looking for open doors during the week. And uh, we're going to continue to remind you in this course, expect God to open doors so that you can share the gospel and bring people into the kingdom of God. Now, today we're up to lesson number four. And this lesson number four is called The Power to Be a Witness. Because maybe you're thinking, well, that's all right for everybody else, but uh, how am I supposed to, to do this? I don't know whether I'm qualified uh, to do this. And I don't think I can convince anyone to become a Christian. And this is, you know, a problem that a lot of people have all over the world. They think that they are not qualified or capable of doing this work of the ministry. Now, one of the things that we want to do is that we want to establish a culture within the church. And I know this is the pastor's heart and I believe it's yours too, but we want to establish a culture in the church of sharing the gospel with people in our world. So let's just have a look today uh, on how we can do our part and how the, the Holy Spirit is going to help us do the work that we're called to do. So if you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And this is what it says. Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I like the living, New Living Translation. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, you know, we've often placed a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and how he benefits us. But the scripture here emphasizes how he works through us to benefit others. In other words, he empowers us to be his witness. Now, this this word witness, it means one who can furnish evidence, one who can give a first-hand account of something he or she has seen, heard or experienced. You know, each one of us would have had some things that we've experienced as we've walked with the Lord. We've seen something, we've heard something, we've experienced something because of the reality of uh, Jesus in our lives and he's working for us and on our behalf. So the Holy Spirit enables us to produce evidence of God's existence and the truth of the gospel uh, as he works 
uh, through us to share the gospel with people in our world. And because we have experienced his life transforming power in our lives and through those whom we minister to, then we have something to share with people in our world. You know, the, the greatest thing that you can do when you're talking to people is sharing your testimony, sharing something that God has done in your life. You know, it's interesting, but when you listen to the world today, they're always telling us what they're thinking. Sometimes it's not very pleasant. Sometimes it's full of profanity. And they're telling you, well, I've had a bad day, I've had a rough weekend, or, or this is happening to me, or, or things never work out for me. You know, but you have a, an amazing testimony of God's saving power, delivering power, blessing power, healing power. I mean, we've got some things that we can share about the goodness and God's great love in our lives. So your testimony, you know, and sometimes people might not want to like your testimony, but it doesn't really matter. It's still your testimony and you have something that you can share. So we are not just sharing historical accounts or uh, verses from a holy book. We are sharing and, and delivering uh, proof that Jesus is alive and the gospel is true. You know, this is, to me, as I travel all over the world, one of the greatest things that I can share with people is that Jesus is alive and we can prove it because he's still doing the same works today as he did in his earthly ministry. So here in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus is speaking to a group of people that had walked closely with him and have, had observed the power of God working through him, through Jesus, to heal the sick set the captives free and raise the dead. And here's the thing. These people, the disciples, had come to rely on him as the dispenser of God's power. And they expressed in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, they were looking for Jesus to come and to overthrow the Roman rule and to establish the kingdom of God in Israel. And, uh, you know, they, like many Christians today, were missing the purpose for why Jesus had come. Now, God's plan was to demonstrate through the earthly ministry of Jesus his idea of what a man full of God's spirit would look like. Now, you know, the disciples had a mega problem. And they were looking at Jesus and saying, well, wait a minute. Now, Jesus, you have all the power. You demonstrated that. We have seen it. Uh, we've seen you raise the dead. We've seen blind eyes open. We've seen the cripples walk. We've seen the deaf hear. Uh, and so suddenly, now the disciples are in a place where Jesus is no longer with them and they're expecting him to do something else. But Jesus comes along and says, no, wait a minute. Here's the plan. I'm going to put the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was in me, I'm going to put that same Holy Spirit in you so that you, by the spirit that is in you, the spirit of God, are going to go out and do the same works that I did. Now, this is God's plan. You know, this is God's plan. So when you got born again, God put 
His Holy Spirit in you. And he gave you his spirit for a purpose so that you could be his witness, somebody who could tell the story, bring demonstration and prove that Jesus is alive through signs and wonders and miracles. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And how did he do this? He did this because the Spirit of God was in him. Jesus did not come to overthrow an earthly government and set up a new kingdom in this world, but he came to destroy the kingdom of darkness and make way for people to hear the gospel and for believers to bring demonstrations of the Spirit to free people who've been bound by the devil uh, because of the Spirit that is in this world. So in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he's telling his followers that they would no longer have to depend on him. Now listen, this is so vitally important. Jesus is saying, you don't have to depend on me because I'm putting my spirit in you, giving you the same life-giving power that was in me. Now you go and do the work. Now, you, you can just imagine here, you know, that, I mean, this just drove the devil completely mad. Uh, you know, he got rid of Jesus and thought, well, I've, I've removed Jesus out of the way. I've now taken this, this man who's going around destroying everything that I'm doing. Uh, I put sickness on people. He comes along and heals them. And, and, and now, here it is. There's 120 in the upper room. And Jesus is saying to them, you go out and do the same work. You know, now, now here's the thing. You know, today, you know, many Christians have a similar problem really to those disciples who were expecting Jesus to set up an earthly kingdom. But Jesus said, no, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit, so you go do the work. Now, we have to be careful because some days, you know, Christians have a similar problem to the disciples. And that is they're expecting somebody else to do the work. You know, I was... Um, in uh, the, the Solomon Islands a number of years ago and uh, we had a Bible school up in the mountains and uh, of course when I get up there it was uh, my Bible school and so now here I am the big cheese turns up and uh, so they're expecting me now uh, to, to pray for people and, and do all manner of things because the man of God was there and I said to them no I'm not going to be doing any of this uh, we did a bit of a crusade in the streets and uh, so they wanted me to preach. I said, well, I'm going to preach, but you're going to do the praying afterwards because they wanted me to do it. And I said, no, you do it because you have the same Holy Spirit in you that I have in me. But the problem today is that people think, well, I, I can't do what brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so does, you know, because they've got a special anointing. And, and I'm here today to tell you, that there is no such thing as a special anointing. Yes, some people may walk in a gift as the Spirit of God uh, gives them that gift. But if we're only going to operate as the Spirit of God gives a gift to a particular person, then we aren't going to see much. And that flies really against the Word of God and, and God's purpose and God's plan. So what is God saying? God is saying to every one of you listening to me tonight that you are anointed. You are empowered. You are a life giver. And that was uh, one of the, uh, of the five things that we looked at at the very beginning 
of our teaching here. So we want you to see here uh, today as we bring this, uh, uh, this teaching today that you are anointed. The same Holy Spirit is in you that was in Jesus. And, um, you know, on the day of Pentecost, you know, there was a, a, a tremendous outpouring. And uh, we see that over in Acts uh, chapter 2. And uh, starting at verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all, 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 A-double-L, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, in chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, Now, you just, just, just tarry here in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. And when you do, then you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go out and bring demonstrations of the power of God. And so on the day of Pentecost, 120, the Bible tells us, were in the upper room. And as we read this, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit just didn't come on a few people. No, the Holy Spirit came on everyone in that room. Because why? Jesus said, every believer is going to be filled with my Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that was in me will be in them. Well, folks, here's the thing. We're not expecting it just to lie dormant. No, God gave us his Holy Spirit for a purpose. So that we can be his hands, his feet, his voice, so that we can bring demonstration that Jesus is alive. And so here it is. We are told over again in Acts 1, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this word power is referring to dunamis power. And in the Greek, this word is translated as the power to work miracles. The power to work miracles. Now, who has been given this power to work miracles? Every believer. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm going to fill every believer that calls on my name. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. Therefore, you have the dunamis power. The power to work miracles is already residing inside you. Now, you know, we're going to be looking at how to have a miracle in our next lesson. And so here we're really introducing here today two things. One on, on, that you are empowered to have miracles. The other one, you are empowered to be God's witness and to be able to share not just a historic account, not just something from a holy book, but you're going to be able to bring living proof that Jesus is alive and the gospel is true. I, I'm really looking forward to next week when we talk about healing, where we're going to see about the demonstrations of the Spirit and how we're going to have demonstrations of the Spirit, it's going to happen with you, the believer, doing the work of the ministry and what God has called you to do. So God's strength and God's ability is available 
to those that have this power, this dunamis power. And so a Christian, that's you, that's me, we are able to do what's impossible to man, but not impossible to God. And Jesus was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to give life. Now, you know, this is another area, we'll talk about this next week, where, where we're going to believe for God to open doors for you to share the gospel and to pray for the sick. Because the same power that was in Jesus, and we'll look at this next week, to heal the sick and how Jesus healed the sick. This is how you're going to pray for the sick. And that same Holy Spirit, that dunamis power is residing in you right now. If you're a believer listening to this message, then this message is talking about you. It's not talking about somebody else or some big name uh, preacher that maybe you, you're familiar with. No, this is talking about you. You know, over in John chapter 16, and uh, uh, this is really powerful stuff. Uh, can you just imagine Jesus one day, he sits down and he tells the disciples some startling news. Now, I, 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 I'm sure if you were there that day and you were sitting wherever Jesus was, maybe out in the mountain, and, and you heard this, maybe you would have been disappointed, distressed, anxious, uh, with what Jesus is about to say, uh, because certainly the disciples uh, were quite upset by this, because Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For I do, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now you can read the passages before and after that to get a greater context. But here Jesus is said, I'm telling you something that's to your advantage. Now, I, I can tell you now, I, I don't think the disciples saw this as an advantage to them. Why? Because they were looking to Jesus. He was the miracle worker. He was the healer. He was the deliverer. But Jesus is saying, it'll be to your advantage when I go. Why? Because when I go, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, who will come uh, to you. But if I don't go, then I can't send him. Can you just imagine that? So Jesus knew what Jesus did in his earthly ministry was bring the heart of the Father, the will of God to be seen by man. And then he destroyed the works of the devil at the cross of Calvary. And then Jesus then on the day of Pentecost put the same Holy Spirit that was in him. He put that into every believer. And so uh, we see that this power, this Holy Spirit uh, came on Jesus. And we see this in the Gospel of Luke. But we see when John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the River Jordan... We are told then that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And, and we know that Jesus was, uh, uh, spent 40 days and he was tempted in the wilderness. And Jesus came uh, to the synagogue in Nazareth where he stood up 
And, and we find that in verse 18 of Luke chapter 4, after he'd been in the wilderness for 40 days, being tested by the devil, uh, he went in there full of the Holy Spirit. And then he comes into Nazareth and he goes to the temple and we're told in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, Jesus stood up and he then he declared to the people in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, why did Jesus say that? Because when he was baptized, then the Holy Spirit came as a dove and came upon Jesus. So now... He said, okay, now the Holy Spirit has come upon me because he has anointed me. God had anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And we are told then to preach, for what purpose? To preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So here, Jesus, when he comes out of the wilderness, he comes to the temple, his very first message is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And he defines the purpose of the Holy Spirit's work in his life. And, and we see here that the Holy Spirit power had come on Jesus and he and he is telling us that all who received this same power this same holy spirit will also go do the same works that Jesus did so we could safely conclude that the power that came on Jesus would work through every believer and do the same things that Jesus did Amen? See, there's no point in us having the Holy Spirit and Jesus saying, I'm going to send you out so that you tell people everywhere with demonstrations about uh, the power of the gospel being released. So Jesus has empowered you and me to preach the gospel. Now, this is what this course is about. You know, when God spoke to me in 2006 concerning a coming revival, I shared with this with you in our first lesson, where God had spoke to me and said, part of this next move of God is God is going to empower the saints of God to do the work of the ministry. Well, I travel all over the world to many nations and I'm teaching this same lesson to you that I've taught in many, many nations and, and uh, what's the purpose? Because God is wanting to raise up the greatest resource that he has, and that is the believer sitting in churches every week. God wants you uh, to come out. When we come out of our churches uh, on Sunday, he wants to come out empowered. He wants us to come out enthusiastic, expecting that we are going to touch people in our world. And see, as we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, then what are we going to do? The same works Jesus did. The good news is we're going to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, open blind eyes, and set free the oppressed. I suspect 
that there is a great ministry waiting for every believer today. Because we have a lot of people that are brokenhearted, people who are held in captive, their eyes are blind, they cannot see what God wants for them, and to set the oppressed free. I think right now, in this age and this time that we're in, there's a lot of people that are fearful, anxious, stressful, and, and sick, financial difficulties, family problems. Uh, I'm telling you, we have an opportunity to go out and to bring life and to be a guy, a life giver. Now, notice what qualified Jesus to do these works. What qualified him? Simply, it was receiving the Holy Spirit. Remember, that's what Jesus said over here. He came out of the wilderness and he gave the qualification. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, God, has anointed me. That was his qualification. No mention is made in these verses that he was ordained by God or had a special calling. But we have sometimes put too much emphasis on people having a special calling and have to have a special gift. And, and that's not my uh, calling, that's not my gift, or, or, or I'm not an evangelist. Well, no, you're a believer. And because God has put his Holy Spirit in you, then the Holy Spirit in you is going to produce the same outcome and the same work that Jesus did because the Holy Spirit was on him. So notice here, there's no mention in this verse that he uh, was an ordained minister or that he had a special calling. No, he was somebody just like you with the Holy Spirit that God had given him and because of that, he was now anointed to do the work of the ministry. The good news for you today is you are anointed. You're not going to get anointed one day. One day something is going to happen and, and out of heaven will come down some uh, cloud or something. No, 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 no. When you got born again, you got the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, you already were in a place where you could produce the same outcome that Jesus did in his ministry today. But sadly, most people who've received the Holy Spirit have never known what he has come to do in your life and have never co cooperated with him to actually be witnesses who give life living evidence of the gospel. Let me just say that again. Sadly, most who have received the Holy Spirit have never known what, it, what he is here to do and have never cooperated with him to actually be witnesses who give living evidence of the gospel. What I want you to do, and certainly part of your prayer life, is Holy Spirit, I want to cooperate with you. Show me how that I can reach out to people in my world and to give demonstration and evidence of the gospel in their life. You know, as you're listening to this, I want you to say this after me. Say this 
with me. The same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus has come upon me. I have the same power that he had. His power produces through me the same signs and wonders it produced in the ministry of Jesus. Now let's say that again because you've got to speak this out of your mouth. That you're declaring, Lord, here am I, use me. And so let's say this again together. The same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus has come upon me. I have the same power that he had. His power produces through me the same signs and wonders it produced in the ministry of Jesus. You know, you might like to write that, that down. You need to keep that before you so that the devil doesn't come in to, to steal the word that has been sown and to sow doubt in your heart that this, you're not capable of doing this, folks. You're not capable of doing it, but the Holy Spirit in you is the one that gives you the ability to do the work of the ministry. This is not uh, by might nor power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. So we've got to trust the Holy Spirit. And as you step out and the Holy Spirit leads you and shows you what to do. I can tell you from many years of experience in the ministry, you get to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit, how to hear his voice, how to follow his leading. This is not something magical. This is something every believer can do. So start expecting God to open doors and for you to step out. You may step out with some fear and trembling. Uh, we all do. That's how I started. Uh, you know, the very first time I was asked to preach uh, in church uh, many, many years ago, my church I was at, the pastor rang up and I wasn't there, spoke to Jan and said, um, I'd like uh, Jim to speak for 15 minutes on Sunday, bring a message and I'll have two other people do 15 minutes each. Would he do that? And she said, of course he would. When I come home, I said, what do you say that for? I fasted for the rest of the week, not because it was spiritual, as I was so nervous I couldn't eat. But you know, I, I did share for 15 minutes on that Sunday. And, and as I keep on preaching and preaching, you know, you become more confident, you become more comfortable flowing with the Holy Spirit. It's just, you know, not natural. Uh, you know, someone says, oh, I'd have no problem doing that. Well, that's, that's wonderful for them. But I want to encourage you, learn to trust the Holy Spirit. And the way you do that is that you step out. And maybe you'll miss it. Don't worry about that. Pick yourself up. Get back into it again until you learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to use you. This is really what God is wanting to do in the days ahead. And so, you know, he's empowered each one of us to preach the gospel Heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, open blind eyes, and set the oppressed free. You know, sometimes I, I see people, you know, they get very frustrated because they want to get into, into ministry. And, uh, and the ministry they seem to want to get in is to get behind a pulpit. Well, you know, you can only have a certain amount of people 
in a church behind a pulpit at any given time, no matter how hard you try. And the bigger a church gets, the less likelihood you are to get behind the pulpit. And if you're not called, you don't want to be there. But let me tell you, every believer has a ministry and the best ministry. I believe the most exciting ministry in the days ahead will be the ministry of the believer. Why? Because every day you're learning how to flow with the Holy Spirit. You're learning how to flow with that dunamis power. You're learning how to hear the voice of the Spirit of God and stepping out so that people in your world can be set free, can be healed, delivered and brought into the kingdom of God. What a joy, what a privilege that is. You know, I shared with you last week, you know, I got three, two guys down at the shopping centre saved and, and uh, even though I travel all over the world and do crusades and see a lot of miracles and see a lot of people getting saved, uh, just getting those two men saved on that day was the greatest thrill that I had at the moment. And I wasn't operating in a five-fold ministry. I was operating in the believer's ministry. You know, when I'm not in the pulpit or doing my five-fold ministry thing, when I'm not doing that, I'm a believer. And as a, I've still got a responsibility today as a believer to expect God to open a door so that I can bring demonstrations of the Spirit. You know, sadly, for centuries, Christians have attempted to share the gospel as a message only without demonstrations of the power that validates the message. Now, now here's the thing. You see, we can bring demonstrations that prove that Jesus is alive. Oh, I've done that many times in different countries where we've had blind eyes open in crusades, where we've had cripples healed. And I'll probably touch a little bit on that next week, some of those things. We've been in countries where, uh, 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 where I'm, I'm telling you, uh, they were anti-God. I was told in, in India we could have a riot at this crusade. Well, we didn't have a riot. We had a revival. Why? Because when the message came, it wasn't a historic message from a religious book. No, we had demonstrations of the Spirit and people were healed. Folks, when people get healed and there's demonstration, it changes everything. And I have seen uh, Muslims and uh, Hindus and, and Buddhists uh, and, uh, and people who didn't believe anything I have seen them come into the kingdom of God. Why? Because Jesus is alive and he's still doing the same works today. And we can give validity to the message through demonstrations of the power of God. So we don't want to reduce evangelism to an effort of persuading people that depends on clever words from a well-versed speaker. Now, see, here's another problem. People think, well, I, I just, I mean, I, obviously, I, I, got, I, I, I got to have the, I don't know whether I've got the right words to say. I, 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 well, folks, we're not trying to persuade somebody by words. Matter of fact, I said to you last week, don't, you know, when it comes to, sh God opens the door and you get an opportunity to speak to people and we told you you could, one of the ways that we do it is we ask the million dollar question, if you died last night in a hundred years time, where would you go? And we said that was a, a, a non-threatening question because people will tell you what they're thinking. But if they don't want to know, remember I said leave love behind? 
We're not there to argue the gospel. You're not there to preach. You're not there to defend God. And, uh, and, so, uh, uh, and again, we're speaking to, to believers here, just speaking to you. you. You might feel, I'm really qualified. Most of us are not really qualified to be able to answer and to use persuasive words. So we're not expecting you to. What we want you to be able to do is to know that the power of God is there to bring demonstrations of the Spirit. So most of us have little confidence in our ability to convince others and therefore have disqualified ourselves from the ministry that is every believer's calling. Now maybe the Apostle Paul uh, was thinking along these lines when he wrote to the church in Corinth. So let's read from 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 1 to 5. This is what the Apostle Paul had to say to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but listen, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, notice here, you know, the Apostle Paul, you know, he said, I'm not going to come with human wisdom. Now, the Apostle Paul you know, he was a, an educated man. He was a scholar. We, we see that in Philippians when he brings out his uh, family uh, history. And he probably could have easily employed his debating skills and reasonings with the Corinthians. And, and who knows, maybe he'd even tried that and failed. Uh, and so he then comes along and says, wait a minute. What you need to put your trust in is not convincing words. What you need to do is it needs to be a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Listen, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me say again, when there's a demonstration of the spirit, it overcomes, eradicates, uh, brings to naught the wisdom of men. I have seen this where the wisdom of men says, well, I just won't believe this, and then they see a miracle and everything changes. Folks, we are going to be moving in the power of the Holy Spirit in the days ahead. God is really uh, raising up uh, teaching like this. I'm not the only one teaching along these lines. Uh, this is starting to have a great deal of impact to the body of Christ. If we're going to reach a, a world... Maybe they won't come to church, but you can go to them. And, uh, and I want us to see here that you go because you have the Holy Spirit in you. Jesus said, because he had the Holy Spirit on him. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And I want you to know today, as a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit is upon you. And you 
have been anointed. So get ready, church. We're about to see demonstrations of the Spirit in unparalleled, unprecedented uh, outpourings as all over the world. Believers rise up in this hour, this time, when it just looks like things are happening in the world, maybe chaotic stuff and, and, and things where man it, it has no particular answer, but God does. You do. You have the Holy Spirit. So get ready right now. Expect God to open doors. And you know of a certainty that you are anointed. And next week, we are going to be looking at doing the works of Jesus and how to have miracles and bring healing to people in your world. I'm excited. I trust you are. So get ready because we're about to have an explosion of almightiness of God's presence being carried by believers everywhere they go. So God bless you. Let me pray, Father. We just thank you for these precious people today as they uh, hear the, the voice of the Spirit of God. Speak to them, Father. Reaffirm that you've called them, you've placed your Holy Spirit in them and that they are anointed. And Father, I thank you. You're going to open doors in the days ahead for them to share the gospel, pray for the sick, demonstrate the dunamis power of God to people in their world. And we thank you for it, Father, that you're going to use us in this hour for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.